Alright everyone, welcome to another episode of MJ's. It's just the J's again tonight, so I've got John with me. How are you doing, Mr. Lee? Good, how you doing, man? Good, good, good. Quite a bit of action this past weekend and a lot going on in the world of sports. Uh, we've got the pennant races heating up in baseball. Actually, we're down to the last week. Uh, we finished week three of the NFL season and college football still bizarre as ever so let's kick it off by talking about baseball since we're uh closest to the playoffs there and um it's been a very very interesting couple weeks and we were kind of talking about this before we got on but st louis as as we're currently recording is on a 17 game winning streak and clinched the second wild card spot in the nl and it, it it's an interesting thing. Like if they actually win out the rest of the year, they'll, they'd be on a 22 game winning streak. So if they were to lose that wild card game to whoever finishes second in the NL West, I mean, how do you, how do you classify that season or where, where do you rank that? It, it's just a weird dynamic. It, it's really, really odd that because of the wild card and being it's a one game playoff game, it kind of takes away from, because I remember when the A's, didn't they win like 21 games in a row? Was they did. Games? They had like that one year. Was it like the early 2000s? Yeah. And they went into playoffs and they were hot. I think they won the first round and the Yankees beat them. Um, but I, what I remember about that season, isn't that the money? Like basically Moneyball is about that season, I think. Yeah. 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 But I, uh, what I found interesting about uh, the Cardinals was I think I saw this on ESPN. They had like a two percent chance of making the playoffs, like in August, <laughs> and they've already clinched. They clinched what this week or was it last week? I think it was like it the, was towards like, the end of last week. Yeah, the second one. Yeah, card. and I think the Padres, the Padres or the Phillies were favored based off of record and remaining schedule, and just the fact that they've. I mean, they're not like. They're coming back in a lot of these games where they're like making like a ninth inning comeback, scoring two or three. I find it it's going to be disappointing if they go in the playoffs and they lose to it's going to be the Dodgers or it's going to be the Giants. Uh, it's a shame because <laughs> it's it's odd to me because that's where I think the playoff system is a little funky because Dodgers and the Giants have just been so much better than everybody else in the NL. Yeah, <laughs> but that one of that's... them is going to have to get into one game playoff, and it's just you know, it, you know, when the wild card started, there were always teams. You know, if you didn't win the division, you got one spot, and there's times where you know the top five seeds were like really, really good, and one of them didn't make it. So it, it's just an it's an odd it's an oddity. I also think it's crazy that. Adam Wainwright might be pitching his best ever, and you're relying on what, like, almost a 40 year old pitcher to get you that one game. Basically, he's going to be their starter pitcher for that wild card game. Uh, he could be pitching against Bueller or Scherzer, or it's uh, who's the guy for the Giants? Their ace. Oh, uh, duh! What the hell is his name? As I as I I'm pull up, the, right I'm pulling up the Giants depth chart because I can't. That's the thing. The Giants are like these a bunch of anonymous guys. Well, no, it's anonymous. But when you look at some of their stats, you're just kind of like, wow, it's crazy. Like they're not. It's not like they've got one or two guys that are like just destroying everybody. It's like they're doing it. Gosman, Kevin Gosman. 
who was pitching with the Orioles a while back, where I yeah. just didn't think he was a very good pitcher. But uh, it's just going to be interesting. I, you know, if you, I like the Cardinals. I really just kind of root for them because I think they're, I like organizations that are like solid from scouting to, they just do it without like, and they don't get like the free agents. They end up trading for them. Like the Yankees and the Red Sox can just pay for everybody. The Dodgers, the Cubs can pay for everybody. But like the Cardinals traded for. Uh, Nolan Arenado, they trade like they always end up trading for these guys. Goldschmidt, Goldschmidt, yeah, and it didn't turn out. It, it looked like they were going to be a very, very average team this season, and this end of season has kind of flipped their chances. I mean, they're going to go in red hot. Uh, the fact that Yadier Molina is still playing so well is crazy at a position that literally messes up your body, your hands. He should have been done about four or five years ago. Yeah, and and there was this whole conversation of are they going to bring him back next year? Are they going to bring him back this year? And he's had a really good season. And I'm like, man, they they got to rely on, you know, offensively they basically have the, like a super young outfield, and their infield is what they're trying to rely on to score runs. And it's been interesting to see them play. Um, let me ask you this weird question. Sure. I was watching old games. I got a bunch of old Yankee Red Sox games on my phone, and I got old. I was watching the uh, A's Yankees game. Uh, oh, th- was it oh two or three? The, the the flip play, Jeter flip play. Oh no, that's and, uh, that was wasn't that oh one? Oh one, yeah. Um, is it me or has pitching and offensive baseball gotten worse since then? <laughs> Because well, it was, it was Zito versus Messina, and they basically went, you know, scoreless and one run. Yeah, it was a one nothing game. And in in that in that game, they're talking about the pitching matchups. It's, it was um, Kurt Schilling versus he was still playing for the Diamondbacks, and I think it was Maddox. And I'm just like, when you think about these pitching matchups, you're kind of like, wow, that's a Hall of Famer versus a Hall of Famer. Or it's a guy that is like a real workhorse. We're going into this playoffs where I think the Rays are really good, and I can't list off a starting pitcher right now, but I can list off their bullpen pitchers. Yeah, because they just because they're so bullpen heavy. Right. And the Yankees, outside of Cole, do we even have a clue who they're going to try to pitch in the? In a playoff series, if they get out of the wild card, that's the sad thing. Like Severino's back; he hasn't really pitched in two years. Corey Kluber's been injury prone. Uh, Tyone just got hurt again yesterday. Herman was supposed to be back. It's been it's been a bunch of injuries left and right. I, you're probably going to have to throw out Jordan Montgomery uh, for one well, of he's these. Been solid. Teams. I actually think he's solid, but. But it, it, it was interesting because I was listening to the radio and they're talking about who do you think is going to get the second wild card spot. And the comment was, of the teams remaining, the Blue Jays probably have the more balanced, like where you look at it and they go, they actually have a shot. Um, the Yankees can, you know, wait, right now the Yankees are the first wild card and then it's the Blue Jays, Mariners, and the Red Sox fighting for that one spot, right? Yeah, the Mariners have been creeping up on everybody. Yeah, I just... 
just based off roster composition and everything, I prefer seeing the Blue Jays get in there, but it would be nice to see the Mariners. I grew well, up a Mariners uh, fan, and, and here's it, it'd the, just be nice to see them. Here's the, the longest playoff drought. Yes, the longest drought, and the players years. have got to be really pissed off because they were sellers when they were still sort of in it, and I think it's like the players are just an FU to management with this run they're on because no one expected this. No one, but no I one mean, did. Th- th- they're what two years away from when they were thinking they were gonna like really compete and somehow this oh with Cano and D- when play. they had Diaz and Cruz and guys yeah, like no, that I, no but I'm saying like two years from like with all their trades and having all these young prospects they're probably thinking in two years we probably got a shot to be like the White Sox or how the Cubs did it a few years back where they just traded all their players away. And they went with uh, young guys, but it's just interesting that they kind of flipped the script and kind of figured out a way to win. I don't. I mean, I don't know if I can list off more than two play people on the damn team, but you know, yeah, that's Hanninger and. But it's been interesting to see them kind of make it. Um, I think the Red Sox, it's a leaky boat that you know their pitching is, their bullpen is awful. awful. Their defense is pretty bad. Um, yeah, so I mean, I I kind of want I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be shocked if the Blue Jays got there because I think that they have the horses to do it. But it'd be nice to see the Mariners. And the other thing about that is, in a one-game playoff, it doesn't matter that you know you got Garrett Cole going and the Mariners are you know it just because if Cole goes three innings and he's got a bad outing, all like bad third inning, it becomes a bullpen game anyway. So it's just it's interesting. Do we have any? Do we feel like anybody in the – is it the Rays? Are the Rays just going to win it in the AL? I, I don't know because it was really interesting. And, um, I mean, I am biased. I am in the New York market. Yeah. Um, so it it looked like probably three weeks ago, even listening to, uh, to Mad Dog on Sirius, and he's got a national show even though he's kind of based in New York. He's like – yeah, it looks like the Yankees have just become the heavy favorite. And on paper, they should be, but they're so damn inconsistent. So it's one of those things, like, it could be the same situation with the Dodgers in the NL. Like, you got to get out of that wild card game, and then they might be a problem. But, uh... Because I, I, I don't... I didn't love... I don't love them because watching those... Like I said, watching some of those old games, the Yankees, the Jeters, the... The Garcia Parras, the uh, Big Poppy. It wasn't the home run per se that they overly were relying on. No, they would. Some of these. It was attrition with that team. Yeah, you would. You would just figure out a way to get the guy over to second. Maybe bunt him over the third, and then hit a sack fly. Like that type of offense is not what we see anymore, and it's just interesting because. When I looked at the pitching matchups in some of those games they're talking about, I was like, man, outside of – I mean, Yankees got Cole, um, Sale. Both. The White Sox got a couple guys. but The White Sox have some arms. They have some arms, but I don't – Giolito's good. Um, no, but what I mean by that is like outside like, – the way that the, the – the playoffs were back then. It's like you knew at least two of the starters because they'd been around for years. And I, maybe the Dodgers have, you know, Scherzer and Kershaw, and Bueller's been around, but he's a y- younger guy. But 
Outside of that, I'm kind of like Cole, but he he's the only guy the Yankees can rely on. The Brewers, yeah, and and he gave up five runs today. Yeah. So, and I just I find it to be a very funky thing. It's it's odd because I also thought about this from the point of view of like closers are no longer, you know, when we were younger, like Mo was there, Hoffman was there, Billy Wagner was there. You had guys that were like. Armando Benitez was like a, a lockdown closer for three or four years. There's just like the closer position has been kind of like a sometimes by committee and you know, Aroldis was reliable for about six, seven years and now it's like he's just not as good. It just it's interesting because then the Rays are like they've got three guys at the back of their bullpen that can all close and they just decide to you know, this one's the most reliable for the last couple of weeks. So it's been interesting because when I was watching that, I was like, I do watch the playoffs quite a bit, um, but it's not the same like where you had Pedro versus Mike Mussina. Or it, you know what I'm saying? The matchups are just no longer – the pitching matchups aren't quite there. Now, the, the teams are still there and the offenses are still there, but even that is like the, – the, the problem I have with the Yankees is they're so over-reliant on the, the home run. And it's almost like they can't generate offense if it's not a home run. I can't that, stand it. It's almost a microcosm of baseball today with Sabre Baseball metrics today, yeah. And and everything specialized. Like, yeah, you could – and I, I, I get into this with my coworker. He always makes this point. Like, Aaron Boone is going to, like, have, like, set rotation – not rotation, like, spots and in innings for the bullpen. So yeah. you could have a pitcher who was dealing and he – got out in five innings and then you replace him with another guy who just spent all this time warming up that you feel like you have to put him in and it's like the old days those guys would just do the two innings but now it's like no i gotta slot him in here and then you look at the hitting and yeah some of these guys have great on base percentage but do i really want joey gallo up in a big spot who hits 200 if that and it's like home run walk or strikeout there's some exactly. situations I... you need contact to slap the ball and that today's game they're just like going for all or nothing but that's all the other thing is, is that the whole you know analytics crowd talks about but that's i always said the analytics only work during the regular season in the playoffs the pitching goes up the, the quality of pitching is so much better right that it becomes more of a average on base percentage and then like all of a sudden the, you know whole like, we don't take we don't we don't bunt well you do bunt like in the eighth inning, if you get a guy on second and you got one out or no outs, you'll bunt them to get the third just so you can get a sacrifice fly. But even the sacrifice fly, you notice how many people can't get that done? Right. They they strike out or they they hit into a double play or something like that. Or it just I just find it interesting that we've you know we're going to the playoffs and I find it odd that the pitching duos are. They're not quite the same as what we're used to. I'm still into baseball, but it's not the same as I was when I was a kid. But it's just odd to me that, like, you know, when you look at, like, the weird thing about this season, the Braves are going to make it with 84 wins, and they might not, you know, the Brewers are going to have 94 wins, and then you got two teams with 100, 103, 101 right now, Giants and Dodgers. And you're like one of those teams. It might lose in the wild card to get to the Cardinals. It's just crazy because the Cardinals are just. But hot. I mean, that's kind of the whole thing, and this is why I like the system in baseball right now. 
puts a premium on winning that division. You don't want to get in that situation. So they're going to do it. I should stop complaining, though, because there was, there was years where there was no wild card. The 93 Giants won over 100 games. 100 games, they didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because the Braves. Or there was a year like uh, even the 93 Yankees probably would have been a wild card team. So yeah. it, it, and then they added the wild card, and you, you had one team that made it. So it's, it is what it is. I, I shouldn't complain. I just think it's odd to me that, yeah, there's – there's just an oddity of how because it's a one game. I, I, if I was, maybe you know, best of three. I just, I don't know. I, there's the I, I guess it would just be nice if you had one, make it you know the best of three. I don't know. That would be my only suggestion. But the problem is it's a scheduling issue. Is right. You just can't run that many games in. Yeah, you just there's you just can't have that many games. But with that type of pitching staff. I, you know what, though? That best of three, if they could pull it off, is an interesting dynamic, and I'll tell you why. Because then it also puts that wild card team, even though they get through and move on, at such a disadvantage because their pitching staffs are all thrown off. I mean, the one game does that in itself, but can you imagine if they have to play a best of three and it's like a war for a series? That 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 actually punishes them even more. But then you know, you know when you some teams come off like a seven game series and their hitting was really good in the seven game series, and right? Like it happened with the Yankees; they'd sweep somebody, and that the Indians would play them, uh, like in ninety seven, ninety eight, and they the Yankees are just flat; like they just hadn't been hitting for like a week, and all of a sudden, game one they're flat, game two they're a little flat, and they need to figure out a way to manipulate the game a little bit, but. I understand, like, it does affect pitching, but offense tends to, like, the the offense will carry a little too much rest with offense. You literally completely just forget how to hit all of a sudden. So it is what it is. You're right. It affects the pitching and everything. And nowadays, it's it's such a bullpen-based game. Um, I, yeah, I'm excited for the playoffs. I, I That said, it's, I feel like the Rays... Like, nobody's talking about the Rays whatsoever, and I feel like they just – they had such a lead in that d- division for a while, and we'll see. I I don't know. I, I think the NL is going to be much more entertaining playoffs just in general just because I feel like the Cardinals being so hot with the Dodgers and Giants there, you know, it's going to be entertaining. Um, but, again, it's you got the Yankees – I don't know. The, the I don't know. The, the White Sox to me, it, that division is so bad to me that it doesn't. That's how, I mean, that's how I feel about the NL East winner. I I thought the Phillies were going to take it this year, especially with a Acuna going down. But that, that, it's, that's it's why been, I also it, think that whoever plays the Braves is just going to be like they're not. The Braves are just not. They're doing it with like <laughs> chewing gum and like straws. It's like I don't I don't know how they keep winning, but. It's one. It's uh the the NL East is like the equivalent of the NFC East. It's just someone has to win it. It's like a, a war of attrition. It, yeah, I don't even call it a trip. They're just bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Phillies should be disappointed in themselves because I think the last thirty games season they had the easiest schedule possible, and the amount of power, you know, a, amount of name players they have and decent pitching and they have not been able to 
overcome the Braves who have had like injuries, domestic violence issue with. Oh Asuna. yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, they had pitchers go down this season. Um, yeah, I just it's you know the Joe Girardi should be ashamed of himself, and um, most Yankee fans don't like Joe Girardi much anyway. So. Uh, I think he's more popular than Boone. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Boone has somehow become. Didn't can't we admit though that taking somebody right out of the booth isn't necessarily the best way of going about it? <laughs> yeah, but it's like this guy is Cashman's puppet. That's the perception. And by the way, I was listening to a podcast. How many GMs in the league have had general managers in Major League Baseball have had their job as long as Cashman? Not many. And, they were try- and the comment was, has he been, like, in the, from 20, 2009 on, has he been a good GM? And everybody says, oh, yes, because, they, you know, they pulled off the Earl's Chapman deal, and then they got signed him right back the following year, and then they, they built the team. And I was just, like, kind of like, yeah, but there's just it, – it's – they're in a funky situation where they're going to have to pay – they're going to have to pay Judge, and they've already got John Carlos signed for long term with a lot of money. And if those guys start breaking down even worse, you've got a lot of sunk costs. And they're the Yankees, but it's just kind of weird the way their roster composition is. It's like, I just don't see. They had this window where it was like they, they were really, really stacked, and now it's like, do they have enough money? just figure out a way to get more pitching because they're going to have to start paying some like you got to pay judge and is judge really a superstar i tend to think he has a lot of home runs but he has stretches where he carries the team he did last year and let let me make this point because i can't believe i'm saying this but uh stanton has been unreal the past week and a half and it's the, the this is the problem with the yankees though like, they've got these guys. Like, Judge can carry a team if he gets hot. Stanton can carry a team. Even Gary Sanchez can do it, right? Yeah. The problem is they all got well, hot at the same time or they all go cold at the same time. It's like, I just need one of these guys hot and I'll be fine. But they, they don't get that. It's all it's all hit or miss. And especially when you get in the playoffs is, with the good pitching, there's no yeah. guarantee. There's nothing that none of their players – Stanton specifically, I remember when they traded for Stanton, and I said, my God, how difficult is it going to be to get through their three? At the time, they were probably going to you know, hit them 3-4. Now it's like they, you know, there are no 3-4 hitters, and they, you know, everything's different. The, the way the lineup is, is, is more about getting more at-bats. Uh, but I used to think, wow, it's going to be impossible to pitch anybody in that lineup. Now it's kind of like, it's scary, but if you can, you know, you hit them in their non-hot zones, I don't think they're going to hit a single. It's all or nothing with them. That's why I think that they're they're just not built for the playoffs in some ways. It's just odd. It's weird. Because it well, used to be, yeah, the Yankees were so, you know, the standard of how to build for playoff dominance for so long. And now they're like, their pitching is very, very suspect. Their bullpen is no longer as reliable it's odd the the bullpen was supposed to be a strength going into the season too so yeah it just tells you how nothing's guaranteed britain's fall apart fall apart yeah britain's uh, out 
Chapman had a stretch at the beginning of the year. He's unhittable, and then he became very hittable. Chad Green comes in. His ERA is super he might low, be the, but yeah, then but he gives up bombs. He might be their, yeah, he might be their best relief pitcher. And didn't he say, I'm not a closer? <laughs> he yeah, said he yeah I, I don't trust the guy. <laughs> uh, Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's an odd – I don't know. And then we haven't even talked about like a team like the Astros. What will they do? But it'll be interesting to see them public enemy number one in the postseason. By the way, low key. For all of the things that I've made this argument because people here locally in DC were like, "Oh, they're terrible." Blah blah. I was like, "Look, for years there's been a sign stealing. Like, when everybody somebody's on second base, the catcher has to go with different signs because the second base." The runner on second base is literally relaying whatever's been called to, like, the coaches and everything. But I said, like, look, they probably didn't need to steal signs. They probably didn't do have to do any of that because their roster was really, really good. And my comment to somebody last year was everybody that thinks that they're not very good, I was like, all right, fine. If they don't steal signs next year and they're still really good, because I, I literally think Bregman's really good. Um, Altuve is pretty good. I, I, Altuve is a guy I wasn't sure about. Uh, maybe because his last season, his uh, batting average like dipped a ton. But this season, Bregman's been pretty good, and uh, uh, Correa's uh, Correa's been really good. Yeah, he's probably the Their one problem, I hate the most. Yeah, I don't like him very much either. But I like Bregman. I, I'm a fan of Bregman. The thing I want to say about them is. The thing that they don't have that they had, the fact that they don't have Cole, they just their pitching is just not. Like Verlander's not there right now. They just don't have the pitching, and I don't know. Like they're gonna have to rely on the hitting, and they're not quite like the home run focused team. They can get some hits and everything, but I just don't know if they have enough pitching. That's just my theory. But yeah, Verlander's but a huge the AL. Loss. T- yeah, but that whole division, like that whole a- that whole AL, I just think it's going to be a crapshoot. If I had a bet on it, I'd say the Rays. But even the Rays, when I started realizing, I was like, you know what? A lot of their pitchers, like I don't recall their starting pitchers all of a sudden, and I was like shocked because like Glasgow's hurt and he he gone, and I was like, wait, who's they, who are they throwing out there all of a sudden? Oh, they'll just use a bunch of openers and they they'll figure yeah, it out. Yeah, and I just. I, I find them to be kind of opportunistic home runs, opportunistic hitting, uh, and they did they went to the World Series last year, and it's you know that that their system is very very funky, and I don't know how they do it, but it, they figured out a way to you know outdo the Yankees and outdo the Red Sox, and the Red Sox I didn't think were very good this season, but the, yeah, the, the we'll Yankees see. have to survive the wild card game, and then I give them a, as good a shot as anyone. I, that's what I'm saying. Is this year in the AL, I don't think there's an actual favorite. Like, I do not think there's a favorite. In the NL, there's so many more storylines. You have 200. You're going to have two teams that have 100 wins, but one of them is going to play in, in the wild card. And then you have the Cardinals, who were going to come in so red hot. <laughs> right. I just think no matter what happens be, this week. Yeah. It's going to be um, amusing to watch how that plays out. The AL, I, I would love to see the odds. I haven't checked the odds yet, but I would love to see what the odds are on the AL. I think they would just say the Rays and the Yankees are probably favored to win it. But I wouldn't be shocked if – wouldn't be shocked if the Astros got there. I wouldn't – the White Sox maybe I'd be shocked just because 
I think when you're playing the Tigers, Royals, and Twins this season, who have been terrible, um, I don't know how ready you are for the playoffs in some ways. When your divisional games are just so not. I hear you. And as we speak, the Yankees just tied Toronto. And then St. Louis is actually losing. Yeah, but they went they went down on a lot of games that I've watched in the box score, and they end up like scoring three runs in the eighth of the ninth inning. Well, it's they'll need three tonight. But seventeen wins in a row is just crazy. But it's like I was like, oh yeah, a couple weeks ago, I'm like, oh yeah, the Padres are right there, and then crash and burn, and St. Louis gets hot, and that's that might be my biggest disappointment of the season with all the moves they made. I mean, they had the pitching. They got all the pitching they wanted. They got the hitters. And the ironic part is they're not like L.A. Oh, the California team. No, no, no. They're not L.A. No, no, not at all. Yeah. And I just, I, you know, I was reading to something about how they might have to get rid of um, Hosmer because their their payroll is getting high. (laughs) It's already pretty high. Yeah, but it's a hasn't Tatis hasn't even gotten his yet. Gotten his, yeah. And so, you know, it's just been interesting when you trade for Chanel and you trade for um, Frazier. Frazier. Yeah, and they get all those guys, and they had, like, God, did they have a – there was a point in time where they were, like, like winning 37% of the games at some point, and I was like, wow. Yeah, they're not – they're under 500 now. Wow. 25 games back i'd have to go back and look at it but at some point they were like four games away from the giants and now they went the other way 21 games it doesn't if you if you were looking at the season before it started you predict you would swap san diego and san francisco that's crazy what happened this year well san francisco I, i if you told me that they went from first to like fourth in that division i wouldn't be shocked i don't know if that can yeah, I don't know. Like, Buster Posey's had an amazing season. Do I think he's going to do it next year? No. Um, do I think that Chris Bryant helps them? Yes. But I don't think that – they didn't have him for most of the season, and they're still on a ridiculous pace. So it's Yeah, been... it's <laughs> – I don't know. I, it, I, it's why you play the games. It's, it's been a great story, and I don't get me wrong. I'm. It's not that I'm not rooting against them. I just – I would prefer to see the Dodgers get out. I, you know what? I would love to see the Giants play the Dodgers for the NL pennant. That, that would be, be that would be classic going back to like the 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 fifties when they were fighting over New York. Yeah, it would be great. I don't think you know there are years where you and I have watched baseball and we wish that these two teams make it in the NL um, uh, to make it to the World Series, and it's like you know the Diamondbacks beat the. the the Braves and the Braves were like steamrolling everybody. <laughs> so I don't know. It's it will, it's been interesting. It should be an interesting playoffs. I'm excited. This is the best time of year. At some point, you have basketball, you have college basketball, NBA, MLB playoffs. You're There's... early into the NFC NFL season, and you got college football every Saturday. So like you could literally have nothing going on on your at night, and there's always something on TV, sport wise. I'm going to throw this out, and I don't want to spend too much time on it because this could get into a political thing, but the whole NBA and what's going on right now and guys like Kyrie Irving, Bradley Beal, and Wiggins, I'm just intrigued to see how this plays out. 
Oh, Jordy, today they said that um, non-vaccinated players that are found to be sick will not be paid for that game. Is it they're if they're the sick or if they're just not playing because of the mandates? I think if they're not playing. Yeah. If they're not playing. So but, it's the but, same rule as the uh, NFL. And Well, NFL basically said that you lose, you forfeit games, but this is more you forfeit a check. A yeah, check. but but here's what here's where it gets interesting to me. Someone like Kyrie Irving doesn't care. You know, I, I was going to tell you this, but I, I figured we would talk about it on the pod. Bill Simmons, who is a diehard Celtics fan and who watched a full year of Kyrie Irving, two years, I can't remember, it's been so long. I think it was two, yeah. His comment, he's like, look, this is not me saying I know something, that I've heard something. He goes, I could see Kyrie deciding, eh, I'm not playing. I'm not playing this season because you want me to get a shot. And he says, and I don't think he cares one bit. And he'd sit out the whole season. And um, I agree. I, And you know what was interesting was I think you and I talked a couple weeks ago about how Kyrie came out and said, if you trade me, I'm retiring. I yep. think there was some discussion about potentially getting rid of him. Um, Stephen A. Smith this week or last week was at least we were last week we were talking about there could be a conversation between for Kyrie and Ben Simmons, blah blah blah, because there'd be better fits for each team. I found it interesting that that news came out that he said, "If you trade me, I'm retiring." Uh, and I found it interesting that the Nets came out and said, "We expect." fully expect everybody to be available to play this season <laughs> which is a weird statement because it doesn't really mean anything we fully no. expect <laughs> no it, it it really doesn't but um i i want to see how it plays out because for once and again i said i don't want to get political i'm not i'm not a person who's in favor of mandates so i, I want to see who's going to win in this game of chicken the thing that I would say, this is, I, I'm not trying to get political either. I thought that of all the sports, baseball and football would have the biggest problem getting like full buy-in of vaccination. And then you would hear like, you know, the whole old Miss team is vaccinated. And I think Kiffin pushed for every player to get vaccinated and the whole Buccaneers organization and team are vaccinated. And my theory is like Brady went around and said, look, we, we're going to win again. So everybody vaccinated because I don't want it. I don't want to lose a game because somebody decided not to get vaccinated. And we have an outbreak and seven players like what happened with the Saints. They had like eight coaches out and they had four players out uh, week two. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how. I don't know if you saw the article on ESPN today, but there was a lot of people that are interviewed that are now anonymous saying like a trainer or a coach saying, I'm a little bit annoyed that player X on my team isn't vaccinated because I'm, I'm in the organization and everybody in the organization is required to, but you don't want to. And it was interesting because at the U S open wasn't Azarenka the one that said like everybody in the stadium is required to show that they have the vaccination all the lines people, all the umpires, all the reporters have to have it, but the players don't. And she goes, why is that? Because we're trying to protect the players, but the players aren't protecting themselves in theory because we could still get it from one another. So 
I found Azarenka's. I think she wasn't the one. She wasn't the only one. There's multiple people that are saying that like everybody in this arena has to show some proof that they've vaccinated, except for the player I'm playing. <laughs> and it was just funny because I thought about that. and I was like, you know what? That's a valid point. Why are we doing so much? All the support staffs required, and it, it's just an interesting thing because I. I get it, but then it's interesting because the mandates are very specifically different in New York City and California. But it, it borderlines on the absurd because you could put the mandate in place, but then I'm vaccinated and I could be a carrier. You don't even know. That's the thing. So, well, no, that's it's... what I'm saying. Is like the NFL is fascinating because if you're not vaccinated, you have to sit out for ten days, and if you're vaccinated, you just have to have a test. So with Martin, Zach Martin for game one, he tested positive like two days before the game. He couldn't get a positive test right before the Thursday night game, but he played week two because he had a positive test. So it's like the difference is a 10 day period of time in the NFL and the NBA. I get what you're saying, but I think that's what I'm saying is I don't think they figured it out the same way the NFL has. Uh, But I look, my whole theory about this has been, and we talked about this was, I can almost guarantee you, I think the Colts has a very low level of, of percentage of uh, vaccinated players. I'd be really uncomfortable if my quarterback and a bunch of starters were not vaccinated. Because if you have one person get it on the O-line and you got another person on the O-line, you got to play the backups in that game. And if they're the backups are infected, now you've got a big problem and now you forfeit games. I'm telling you right now, the teams that I think I would be shocked if the Lakers weren't fully vaccinated because LeBron is like, look, we're going to win, blah, 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 blah. Everybody's getting vaccinated. I, I, that's what I wonder about some of these teams was, is it really like, Everybody has their own decision-making, or is it like, look, Steph Curry says, Andrew Wiggins, you need to go get your vaccine because I want to make the playoffs, and I want to win. I want to make it to the finals again. We're already down, Clay. We don't know when he's coming back. Or Like, nobody can say anything Kyrie. And, you know. Yeah, KD's not going to be able to convince him anyway. KD's not going to be able to convince him. But it's like, that's what I'm saying is like, you know, Jonathan Isaac, my whole thing was like, look, I actually agreed with what Isaac said, but I also said, who cares about the magic? <laughs> they're not going to, like, they're not making the playoffs. So it's like, the, I, I do believe that in this season with NFL, college football, and NBA, we're going to see three or four games on some team. And that three or four games might be the difference between a four seed or a five seed or a six seed or home court for that round. Or in the NFL, it might be the difference in making playoffs or not. But just, that was just my theory. Because I started realizing that there are certain teams where I'm like, Kirk Cousins is vaccinated. Can they win with a backup? This season, Kirk Cousins has played really, really well. No, they can't. And it's like, Wentz, I have no idea. Because that team is like a train wreck anyway. We'll get to the NFL. But it's a valid point what you're saying. But, but I also think that it's been interesting that not a single one of the Milwaukee Bucks, like there's no question of whether or not the Milwaukee Bucks have been vaccinated. Either nobody's talking about it or they're at like fully vaccinated. Lakers, no question. It was just interesting that 
Kyrie was the big one, and then Andrew Wiggins. And then the Wiggins thing, that's the other thing is, if Wiggins thinks it, like, and Kyrie thinks, I'm just going to play away games, well, you can't play in California, so take those games out. You're literally missing, like, 46 games. Well, is it, saying, I think, is it all I, I think California point, or just are just the just basically Golden State? No, I thought it was all of Cal, most of California. I I don't even know. That's 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 the thing. I was they were talking about that this on a different podcast I was listening to the other day, and it was just interesting because if they start losing game checks, like Wiggins probably ends up getting the shot. Kyrie's just crazy enough where he just doesn't care. <laughs> He's just like, I'll retire. Which is just fascinating because I think what we do is retire and then come out of retirement like next season. I can see him totally doing that. Um, as insane as yeah. Kyrie can be at times, I think he's he's standing up for his principles. Uh, I can't really knock him on that one. My problem with Kyrie is he comes off as a guy that thinks he's smarter than the room sometimes. And I'm just kind of like, nobody cares. You're better at basketball than everybody. Isn't that good enough? Yes, it is, Uncle Drew. Yeah, I just, I find him to be, you know, if you if you read a lot of articles about him, he's very, very brilliant and he's fascinating. And he kind of wants to be very Kobe Bryant-like. And I my whole thing is, Kobe Bryant was intellectual because he was raised in Italy and, like, he spoke three or four languages and everything. And Kyrie just comes off as like, I don't know. I, I've yet to figure out a good comparison to Kyrie, but he's just an oddity that he, he he's not just frustrating. I'm just kind of like, he's uh, for me, he's almost like the professional athlete version of Skip Bayless. Yes. That's a good, I was trying to figure out who, who one of these talking heads that I'm always annoyed with that I'm like, you don't, I don't care. I, I have to be I a contrarian for the sake of being a contrarian. Being contrarian. Everybody loves LeBron, and I hate LeBron, and Michael Jordan's better. And I'm like, the topic wasn't even about Michael Jordan. <laughs> and so it's this interesting – but the thing is, is that, like, with Kyrie, what bugs me is he always figures out a way to make it, like, you ask him a question, and then he pivots to some different narrative just because he wants to sound more brilliant. And I'm like, you didn't even ask. We didn't ask you that question. Why are you pivoting to this? And it's like, because I can. The flat Earth thing, where he brought that. And I, I, I listened to the road tripping, and I was just like, I can't believe he brings this up. And then he comes up on the following one. He's like, oh yeah, I made news about this. He's like, I, you, people don't understand what I meant about a flat Earth thing. I was trying to stimulate minds, and I was just like, you're not Malcolm Gladwell, who like wrote <laughs> some book about like different ways of thinking, like. You're on a podcast with Richard Jefferson and Channing Frye. Like, <laughs> this isn't Dan Rather or Katie Couric doing an interview. It's a podcast that, about, like, what you do on road trips. Oh, God. That's what I, I just – he is a nuisance. Like, the thing about last season was when I watched him play in the playoffs, he was playing defense and he was playing a lot better than when he was with the Celtics. So I kind of gave him a pass for the stupidity, but then he got hurt. And then it was just like this thing or that thing. And I'm just kind of like, dude, could you just play a full season once? Well, before was, you open there was a so much? who was I talking to? There was a statistic that came up. Like, I, even, told you, I think I told you, was I it told with, you. with clay? 
About what? So Clay Thompson, who's missed the last two seasons, if you look at like the last what eight, ten years or something, whatever this scope is, he still played more games than Kyrie. With two, two, without two oh, seasons. No, no. The the thing that I was gonna tell you was the the stat that's crazy is I think the last six seasons he hasn't fin he hasn't played the last like twenty games this season. <laughs> he hasn't finished the he hasn't finished the regular season healthy in the last six seasons. And, like, if you look at his games played, you're, I mean, that Clay stat might be true. His game played are, like, in the 50s. But you keep forgetting he was hurt with the Celtics. He got hurt, like, both seasons. And then he got hurt last season. It's, like, it, it's just a running thing that is just – yeah, I just – I find it fascinating. Like, look, he's a great player. He's towing that line of, like, is he worth the problem? And, and that's the other is thing. It's like, and it's like the thing about him is, is that he's so ridiculous and crazy. Where, like, where Jason Kidd was in the domestic the domestic abuse, they traded him. <laughs> they just traded him, right? You're right. Uh, they traded him to the Nets. Kyrie's like crazy enough. Where he's like, I made enough money. I'm just gonna retire. And it's like, you're like, oh god, we can't even trade him. Like we could yeah, trade we're, him for we're, we're Damian Lillard. Yeah, we're stuck with him. <laughs> yeah, we we could trade him for Damian Lillard, and he's got you like, in a, like it, he. Mind you, can I just say the whole thing about the NBA that fascinates me is you know that Kyrie's going to their San Diego training camp for the Nets. He's flying on that flight with the yep. players on the charter, and I find the whole thing to be odd because, yeah, I don't know. Let's let's move on because I. We, that season as you started, and we've already seen it with the NFL. With some, it didn't affect the Cowboys. They only lost a guard, but it did affect the Saints in Week Two. Eight coaches does matter. <laughs> Losing eight coaches and they can't be practicing, and I think they had one starter and five bench players. So I don't know. I, it'll be fascinating. It's one of these topics that when we talk about a new season. Um, I'll be glad in a few years where we don't have to talk about this, but it is a – I mean, remember last season with MLB, you and I were talking about how, like, you know, I think the Cardinals had, like, a party at a bar. The Indians were going out and about, Indians. remember? The, yeah, and it was like you and I were talking about how, like, yeah, they don't really care about this and everything and blah, blah, blah. And now it's, like, interesting because now we pivoted to, like, it is a freedom of choice thing, but didn't we just see what happened with the major league teams? And um, I, I don't know. The, the football season kind of worked through its way, but the Broncos had that game where all the quarterbacks were out. Oh, and, that was brutal. Yeah, and I'm just telling you, man, I kept thinking that it wouldn't be that way this season. I just don't think that we're going to get a clean season. That Bronco situation, that Tennessee Titans situation – that was just crazy. They kept moving the game. We had Tuesday games. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. I, I think what we're going to see this season in the NFL basketball, you may see a team field seven, seven players um, or an NFL team with three starters missing on the line or a quarterback on and you're starting like Kellen Mund for the – uh, Vikings, or it's uh, Sam Ellinger for the Colts. But yeah, let's move to the NFL for college football. Because <laughs> I'm. T- yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Too much time on this already, right? Yeah. 
because it's a topic that I have no answers for, but I also don't understand it from the point of view of like team unity. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense in some ways too. Um, do we want to talk about the rookie quarterbacks that I keep talking about? I thought they were going to be the best. It's going to be one of the best rookie classes ever. And so God, let 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 me start with. Um... Since the last we spoke, I was at the Jet home opener to see Zach Wilson complete as many passes to New England in the first half as he did to his own receivers. Um, it's going to be hard because, I, I mean, you did send me that TikTok video by the 12-year-old who broke it down the Jets perfectly. <laughs> the O-line. Uh, he's like, these two O-linemen are blocking one another. <laughs> they're like, what, what, what is going on here? Um, because Corey Davis isn't even jumping for the ball. Corey, da- Corey Davis has no hops. Was the last hops. line. Uh, yeah. So Zach's he's in a bad spot, but um, I don't know if you ever listen to him because he's a Michigan guy, and I know how you feel about the the Wolverines. But um, Rich Eisen, who's Mister NFL Network, also I like, I like Eisen. He's a I don't big. Hate all Michigan people. He's he's a big. He's I, a I bet on Michigan issue. I bet on Michigan. No, I bet on Rutgers last week. I'm about to bet on Michigan in the next couple weeks. About but uh, something. but uh, Eisen, who's a big-time Jet fan as well, was making the point, like, hey, look at Carolina. Sam Darnold's thrown for 300 yards, two games. He And last Thursday, McCaffrey went down again. But, and they, um, and they, and they figured won. out a way to yeah, right. they figured out a way to, to not be, like, overly the riot. Like, McCaffrey's done. We're done for the game. We're going to lose. No, they figured out a way to support. Close out the game. But I don't Eisen, know how well it's going to be this week. No, but well, yeah, because they're playing Dallas. But Dallas's defense yeah. isn't one of their strong points. But Eisen's Correct. point's perfectly valid. Hey, hey, look, we're all happy for Sam as Jet fans. He wasn't the problem. It's the Jets organization that's the problem. And even though Joe Douglas might quote unquote be building the right way, it seems like uh, it's an old Jet saying that. Uh, one of the radio hosts here, Joe Beningo, would always say, you can change the coach, you can change the quarterback, the results are still going to be the same with this team. <laughs> so I'm going to give you I'm going to give you the story about Justin Fields, and I think it relates to uh, Zach a little bit, Wilson. So I was listening to Tim, uh, or Del- Trent Dilfer, and he was on a podcast with Rosillo. Oh, no, it was somebody else. I was watching something, and they were talking about Fields had – he only got max protected three times in that game where he got sacked nine times. Oh, jeez. Three times. And his whole thing was – their whole comment was, like, they didn't have a tight end chip at all. And it was like they're running on offense that was not built for his skill set in his first start. And – I was listening to a podcast this morning about uh, they were talking about Zach Wilson and they're talking about Mac Jones and they were saying that Mac had three picks, two of them were tip balls, one of them was just you know we're down by fourteen, I got to get something done. He said the thing about Zach Wilson was somebody's got to sit him down and say you're not in college. He says Trent's comment was he's got an amazing arm, like he can literally throw it and he does have some of that. Mahomes stuff, but he's like, if he doesn't learn to dump it down to the to the running back or dump it down to the tight end, he's literally not going to be able to survive because he his whole thing was he's always looking for the home run play over and over again, and he doesn't have a line to do it. And two, 
that offensive coordinator is hasn't called plays in like seven years. And so oh, the whole LaFleur. thing was like, yeah, LaFleur. And so the whole thing was like, they're both trying to learn this on the fly. And the fact that Becton went down is not helping them whatsoever. And I saw another article this week that said their right guard is like grading wise, the worst offense alignment in the league right now. And they should not be playing him anymore. <laughs> it's just, it's, they're, it's, it, it's, just... it's, it's fascinating how I kept thinking they did some good things, bringing in some more linemen and everything. And they still have that issue where they can't block anybody. Uh, it's interesting to see, because I do think that his whole thing was like, look, the best quarterback that we've seen in this, you know, millennium, how often is he just dump it down? Dump it down to the running back. Dump it down to a tight end. Three, four yards is good enough. Just keep the chains moving is better than trying to get a 25-yard. And it's like everybody wants to get a 25-yard or 40-yard pass. It's like seven yards, five yards, six yards is fine. Three yards is fine because you're clean. And I think that's kind of the issue with the Jets that I saw is that, like, one, that line has just been decimated or it's not playing well. And two – He's look. He he's trying to like play hero ball, and I just don't. Mind you, though, the Jets, they've got too many penalties. It's just they're. I don't know. I thought that coach is going to bring them down to be more disciplined, and they're just still kind of. Yeah, I don't there's, know. There's a saying: same old Jets. Kind of same old Jets. That said, the Bears. Oh God, forty-three yards of offense. The Bears are who we thought they were. Thought they were. Uh, I think. My theory is Lawrence is a great quarterback. I'm starting to wonder if Urban Meyer might be the worst coach. So like, there was one, um, and I'll give a shout-out to a, uh, a former lineman of the um, the Jaguars, Uche Nwanari. He's on uh, YouTube. I butchered yeah. his name. But um, he, 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 he breaks down the, uh, the Jaguar things. And there yep. was one that the pick six that Trevor Lawrence threw. They're running a flea flicker from their own twenty-five, and he's like, "If you're inside your own thirty, why in God's name would you ever run this play? And when have you seen a flea flicker work in the NFL?" And that's the gimmicky stuff that he's doing right now, and it's just it's just bad. And I I, don't, I, I never thought I would see like a day where Urban Meyer's struggling at something, but I don't think he's cut out for the NFL. Well, I had read – I sent you an article about how he had lost the locker room, but I had read an article that said that in preseason, he was irritated that they weren't winning preseason games. And a bunch of the veterans had to come up to him and say, Coach, it's not about winning the game. And he, like, literally has no idea that, like, preseason is really about getting some flow, figuring out how to cut down your roster. And he was trying to win the games. And he was, like, burning out on the fact that, like, his team wasn't winning games. Like, his assistant coaches weren't pushing the players harder to win in preseason. And, like, you know, Daryl Bevel, their offensive coordinator, has been in the league forever. And he's like, like, you know, would you imagine if he's like – and nobody thinks he's a good coordinator. But it's like, hey, we need to run more plays where we're going to win the game. And he's like, why do we care? We're just trying to stay healthy. <laughs> exactly. You just, want, just, to, you just want to get out of the preseason. Get Yeah. And it, I, I find that to be fascinating. Um, I, I – the team that I was in, I'm shocked about. The Patriots, for all the money they spent, they do not look good on offense. Their defense is kind of 
bend don't break, but they're still not like very good. I found it interesting that like if they can't run the ball, they don't have really good skill set players, and they can't really. They're trying to run that, you know, Brady offense with two tight ends, and it's like, <laughs> it, I don't know. Of all the quarterbacks I've seen, I think Max okay, but we already knew that he could be a game manager and pretty pretty okay with a decent roster. Right. I think Lawrence is going to be fine. I just think that he needs to get a good coach. <laughs> I'm worried about Fields because he might literally. He's going to get a new coach at this rate. Yeah. Well, I mean, by the way, Nagy might be the worst coach I've ever seen because there's been, you know, that whole like revision on is Darnold was Darnold a problem or was it the Jets or was it Gaze? There's this whole conversation now: Is Mitch Trubisky really that bad, or was it Nagy? <laughs> and it's like, it, it that whole game. I mean, when I didn't even get to watch it, I was just like checking the box score. I was like, this is a rough game. They had he had 43 yards throwing, and if you add the sacks, he was like a negative two. Yeah, the net was like <laughs> Ryan Leaf like. Yeah, it's it's really bad, and they they have like really good defensive players, and they're like, I don't know, I I wow, they're rough. Um, Rough is an understatement. That Monday night game, oh, I mean Sunday night game. I gotta say, I did not think the Packers could ever beat the 49ers. I always felt like Shanahan had the Packers number, and I was shocked that the Packers held on that game. But I was shocked that Garoppolo actually is playing decent enough where he could drive down. But man, is Aaron Rodgers really, really good? He's really, really good. He had three plays, and he caught him like 45 yards. But the, the, the whole thing is you, everyone in that building knows Devontae Adams is getting the ball, and he's still he's got the ball, it. He's still wide open, and he just falls. Um, I, the reason I bring that up is I. there's this theory that Trey Lance, if he was good enough, Shanahan wanted to start Trey Lance. And I was like, look, Trey Lance didn't get he, – he played one game last season because he was in Division Two. And they played one game basically for Trey Lance. Like to they play I forgot who they played, but they didn't their season started after the draft. So they played one game for Trey Lance and I was like, He's you can't play that guy. But of all the quarterbacks, I'm kind of like I used to be like, Yeah, you can start him. Now I'm like, man, do they look awful. It might be the preseason thing, it might be the fact you can't hit in practice, but Man, they, it, it looks rough. I thought that some of these guys were going to be really awesome. Maybe they're going to all be really awesome. Um, I was the one that told you that Zach is really, really good, and I still think he possibly could be really, really good. But He could be he if the Jets don't be, ruin him. He could also be David Carr where he's like punch drunk because he's been, he's been hit so many times. Um, yeah, and then he could leave and turn into like what Darnold's doing right now. By the way, I got to say, the Panthers and the Broncos – their wins to me have been like I I'll admit the Panthers look like a solid run team. Darnold doesn't he's not making the dumb although he does fumble the ball still a lot. Yes, he does. And he does still fumble the ball a lot, which I always get uncomfortable with quarterbacks that fumble too much. The Broncos have had the most ridiculously easy schedule I've ever seen. The first well, two games. Well, yeah. Uh, here's my here's my shout out to Mike because he'll appreciate this. Uh, I did pick the the Giants to win the NFC East, and uh, I mean, there's still time. But my God, my God, they are they are bad. 
I, <laughs> you know, what was it? Um, I was flipping through and Dan Orlovsky was talking about how he doesn't understand why Jason Garrett is still the offensive coordinator because he runs the same formation 85% of the time. It's like Daniel, Daniel Jones in the shotgun, one tight end, two run, wide receivers on the right, one wide receiver on the left, and then a running back. And he's like, they don't run any motion. <laughs> they don't run anything. It's all that stuff that they talked about about Gaze. Like, Gaze doesn't run any motion to help out the quarterback figure out where the, the blitz is coming or if they're in zone or man. And it was just fascinating. He's like, it's so predictable. It's so predictable, and it's never going to work. And I, man, I... But was he that, calling Was he calling plays in Dallas? Yeah. Remember he gave it up to Scott Linehan? Yeah, but they... Gave it up. There were points where that Dallas offense was scoring points. Like, what happened? I don't know. I have no. It's look, also personnel. I, Daniel Jones, one that offensive line might be just as bad as the Jets' offensive line. It's uh, up to well, the, but the the thing is, and this is why they're not as bad as the Jets is they've lost two games because the defense let a team just go right down the field and kick a field goal. That's true, but the they were there. Part, the funniest part about that whole division was if you looked at all fantasy ratings, their defense was supposed to be like number two. And I, I live in D.C., and the Washington football team, what's fascinating about them was, like, I remember at the end of the season last year, they said the, the Washington football team and the Giants have really good defenses. And I was like, look at the offenses they played. They played against – they played against Dalton, Daniel Jones, Alex Smith on a peg leg, uh, Dan, uh, Dwayne Haskins, and who am I missing? Uh, Eagles. Um, it was, was Wentz who had completely Wentz was forgot, awful, complete, completely forgot how to play quarterback. And then it was Jalen Hurts who they tried to recreate the offense around Jalen Hurts. Who I, by the way, I, I am putting Jalen Hurts on my list of I don't think he's actually a quarterback because <laughs> there's just moments where I'm like, in Monday that Monday night game, he threw a ball up and I was like that is five yards short of where it needs to be and it was picked off easily. And, you know, Peyton and Eli were like, well, he'll learn that he has to. And then they, they try to blame it on Rieger. For, and I was like, no, no, no. He had to. That ball should have been further in the end zone. And it was like at the five-yard line. And it was an easy pick. And I was like, man, that is a really bad throw for a quarterback. That, um, But it was like, the, the, back to my defense comment was, if you're playing those quarterbacks, do you really have to do much except for stop the run? No, you don't. And Daniel Jones didn't even have Barkley last year. So. And Daniel Jones is the best of that group, and we all know he's a turnover machine. <laughs> I don't know. I, I find that roster. Um... It's uh, it's it's painful living in this market, having to watch the local football can I, teams. Can we can we talk about this instead of talking about the best teams? Who do you think is the worst three teams? You know, three games in the season that you've seen in the league, in the in the NFL right now. Uh, for sure, it's the, that is... for sure, for sure, I think the Jets are the worst right now. I think uh, Jacksonville's second, not too far away, and the third. I'm not going to put the Giants there. Why? Because you don't want both New York teams to be there? <laughs> no, because I think they actually were close to winning a couple games against bad teams. But by the way, the, the Falcons are really, really bad. The Falcons the are bad. Were, the fact that they beat the Giants. Doesn't say much, right? 
Yeah, and so I was going to say the Falcons are really bad, and the fact that beat the Giants, and I'm like, nah, I can't. So I'm going to give you a different theory. I'm okay. trying to figure out who who I would put as the third. Because it's not the Texans. I don't the think it, the Texans are pretty bad too. But uh, no, but the, I mean the Lions, it, the Lions should have beaten the 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 Ravens the if Ravens. it wasn't for the, the 66 way, yard field goal. By the way, I don't. You probably playing golf. I don't know what time you were playing golf on Sunday. I, I was. You, they missed a delay of game that was so atrociously bad that they didn't call it. Like I looked up and I go, "Why is there no flag?" And that was the play before the 66 yard field goal, and I was like. They, they should have never been able to, it would have been a 70 yard field goal with the, with the it was delayed it was a blatant like five seconds after the play clock was down they didn't even throw the flag um the lions should have been the lions have played really well it's just they're not talented enough to like hold like a lead right and i i've been surprised golf is actually doing all right in that that war zone yeah, and he's I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking at the 0 and 3 teams here, trying yeah. to figure it out. I don't know. Uh, you got the Colts, but I, I the think Colts the Colts are, are be- they're better than the Giants. Well, the Colts, the Colts, their problem is their line is hurt, and they're they're so focused, like their line is so good. That's why they're not able to run the ball. And I feel like the line, if their line was healthier, so I'm going to give you a different. S- theory. Screw it. The Giant, the Giants are the third worst team. I'm going to give you a completely different theory, all right? Um, based off coaching and roster composition and how they're playing with the quality of talent, I want to say the Bears are in there. <laughs> uh, yes, they are. They are. Because they have really good players on defense, but their offense is so bad that it's like they're, you know, being put in these weird situations and their coach wants to be fired. At but it, um, I, I'm going with the worst three based on, like, the the hope factor and there's limited well, hope. Well, no, no, because what I'm saying about that is I don't think the te- – I think the worst roster is the Texans or the Lions. But, I but think, with Taylor there, the Texans were actually competitive. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, is that the way that they're, they're built – they're going to win four to five games, both, right? Right. The reason, like, you're going to say the Jets and the Jaguars are going to lose a lot of games. Now, the Jets, I thought they looked pretty good week one for a young, like, super young team. They're progressively gotten worse every week. <laughs> like, But have you – that's the thing. If you look at the schedule, who are the Jets beating? Like, they're playing Atlanta in London? I, no, I, I don't know. Do, can, can I tell you the crazy – you want to see the – if you want to talk about schedules, I'm I'm playing a lot of I'm I'm trying to I always pick a team in Madden that's not very good. It's the Giants or the 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 Bears, right? I, after the Lions, the Bears play the Raiders, Packers, Buccaneers, 49ers, Steelers, Ravens, Lions again, Cardinals, Packers, Vikings, Seattle. <laughs> that's one win, maybe two. They may split with the Lions. So yeah, he's gone. He's he's gone after this year. He's gone. Let, let, okay, let's say okay. The Jets. Yeah, but have you looked at the Jets' schedule? It's brutal. Hold on, let me see the Jets' schedule. They're, they're, they're playing Tennessee uh, this Jets. week at home. That's that's slaughter. Then they go to London. They play Atlanta. Might win that, but doubt it. Right? Then they go. Well, they got the, they got 
at New England. Yeah, that's a law. Might they might win the bet? They got a shot against the Bengals. They're not beating the Bengals. Stop! Stop! The Bengals actually have a lot of talent on offense. No, 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 no. but but Gene, this schedule isn't like what I just told you about the Bears' schedule. Okay, they play the Titans, they play the the Falcons, Patriots, Bengals, Colts, Bills. Dolphins and then Texans. That's not a bad. It's not a crazy difficult schedule. The Jets are not very good. <laughs> no, the Jets are terrible. The you Texans. The Texans. Ga- the Texans game is a winnable one in the Jaguars game. But but look, even okay, they might also be able to steal a game at Indy on a Thursday night because it's a short week of rest. Short week. But oh, they potentially could win. The Bengals game too. So it's look, look at this. They, they, three to four they, wins. They've got they've got New Orleans coming here, Tampa coming here. <laughs> they have to play Buffalo twice. Can maybe, I say maybe they split yeah, against I, Miami if they're lucky? If they're lucky. Can I say? Can I say? You and I were talking about the fact that you wanted the Jets, the Jets to get Sewell, and they would go Beckton on the left side, uh, Sewell on the right side, and they would have kept Darnold. You know what's funny about that is. Do you think that they would have been any better with Darnold and like the way they're playing right now? No, that's what I, that's that's the whole point. I'm taking the I'm taking the rich I'm taking the rich Eisen stance on this, where it's just like they're cursed. it's not it's not Darnold, it's the franchise. So it could not be. It's you know Zach, it's way too early. But look, if they get if they get really bad, they're gonna get a they're gonna get a pass rusher. Or they're gonna get Leal. Uh, they're gonna get a tight uh, left tackle from Alabama. It's fine. They got you know. Their problem is that schedule is not as brutal as the Bears' schedule. The Bears' schedule is brutal. Like it's brutal. Some of these teams, like the uh, the Steelers' schedule, is brutal. It is so. I don't think the Steelers are gonna make the playoffs this year. It is a brutal schedule. The fact that they lost to the Bengals is not a very good thing because they don't have many winnable games. But yeah, but the Steelers are also dead man walking with all their injuries. Oh God! That's uh, not that's not the real team that they're putting out there right now. No, but I, like the Steelers, potentially, you know, they may not make 500 this year, and it has nothing to do with the fact that they're not talented. They just have a brutal schedule. <laughs> like, it's just brutal. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just saying the Bears are like I. I'm telling you right now, I would not be shocked if the Jets, Bears, and the Jaguars have very similar records, <laughs> and it's like. I'm just going to be shocked because I just think that last year I didn't think the Jets were going to win a single game. They somehow won two games. They shouldn't even won both games because they would have – well, actually, never mind. It, based off your theory, they would have wrecked Lawrence too. So, <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, uh, what's their track? I mean, I'm just trying to get to Chad Pennington. That's not, that's not asking for much. And by the way, if Chad Pennington actually has an arm with that brain of his – he would have been a really, really solid quarterback. Actually, actually, if he had an arm, he might, he might have. That division would have been half the time to the Patriots, half the time to the Jets. The yeah. Jets were actually like com- roster composition were pretty good. They had a very um, good line at that point. That's when they had yeah. the Brickshaw and Mangold. Yeah, but and, they also. I, I think Fanica I mean, was there too, but it was the end of him. The problem was but. that Keyshawn decided he wanted to leave and. Is Corbett and who was their other one? Was it Lavernius Coles? Well, Lavernius and Santana around that time. Santana, and then they tried to go after Santonio San Holmes, and every every Steelers receiver should just decide never to leave 
fit Pittsburgh is Mike Wallace tried that. Um, Big Pen, right? Big Pen left and he was retired like the following year. Everybody that ends up leaving, it just they're never as good as when they were there. It just there's well, something Plaxico, about Plaxico could have been if he didn't shoot himself in the groin. That's true. Plaxico is the one against. Although, yeah, but even even that theory, his stupidity is like, do you think that he does that with the Steelers? They just cut him. <laughs> they just cut him. I mean, they traded. Uh, they cut Antonio Holmes after what was it? No, Drugs? the Jets. The, no, the funny thing was the Jets were bragging because they got him for like a sixth round pick, and they were so yeah, proud of themselves. They just gave him away. They just gave him away. Yeah, the Steelers were just like, get him out of here. And that's a, and he and imagine that with all the talent that he had, like that touchdown reception against the Arizona to win the Super Bowl was an amazing play. That's yes, a guy you trade for for a sixth round pick that tells you he's nuts. It's a great it's a great trade. Um, but there's something about when Steeler receivers start asking for too much money, they're like, go go ahead and get your money, and then Mike Wallace happens. And, uh, yeah. By the way, can we talk about Josh Gordon? How many times can he get a like? How, why does he get so many chances? I've never seen a guy get so many chances. Because he's ta- because he's talented. That's that's no. That's but I mean, it's like it, it's such an oddity to get that many. I mean, he's been suspended how many times just for su- substance or whatever it was? But it, I, I find it shocking that like everybody's shocked when he gets in trouble again. Like, oh, oh, he, he got suspended again. <laughs> It's like, no, like, Martavius Bryant is now, like, he doesn't even try. He just decided that I can't, I can't keep myself clean anymore. <laughs> I I don't get it, man. I really There's, don't. Like, you know, I, I don't know how many, like, in all my uh, fantasy leagues, everybody's like, oh, I gotta get, I gotta get Gordon. <laughs> I'm like, didn't everybody try that for with the Patriots? Like, and then they, they tried with the, the Seahawks, and it was just like, he just ends up like flaming out after two good games, and then you just like it's just a horrible like. One guy like put like forty five dollars on Josh Gordon. <laughs> All right, I digress. You want to finish off with college football and how crazy? I, I find I. By the way, to the audience, I was never a big college football gambler. This has been the best season to gamble on college football because the favorites are not winning by a lot. It's so <laughs> unpredictable. They're never covering. Um, I keep betting against Clemson, and they never cover. I keep betting. I keep betting on Michigan State, and we keep winning. <laughs> I I bet. You know what? I'm not. I wasn't ballsy enough to just take NC State. I bet on Clemson. I wasn't ballsy enough to just pick Michigan State. Uh, I, uh the money line. I I took the points. Uh, but I'm getting to the point where I'm literally gonna call my shot because I actually do think BC might beat Clemson this week. But I am shocked because. Um, I read an article about Clemson this week, and there was warning signs last season. And the the flaw on that team has been their O line has been terrible for like two straight seasons, three straight seasons, and it came out in the playoffs because they got destroyed because they couldn't block for Lawrence. Um, Ohio State does not look very good this season. No, not at all. Uh, I want to say in the top ten. The only team I think I trust is Alabama. And I think the second team that I've seen that I think is very good is Florida. Florida um, Florida did look good. I mean, that Alabama game, they were right there at the end. And that type of offense they run is going to translate against everybody. 
Georgia, but I, you know, I don't care until you play Alabama because they tend to flame up. Notre Dame, I don't trust them. They're not Their that. I don't think they're is, that good. Wisconsin's offensive line is horrible. They haven't been able to run the season. Uh, Penn State, I, Penn State's the one weird team. I hate Clifford. I don't think he's very good. Uh, they have really good players, but their quarterback is suspect, and their coach might be leaving for USC. Uh, US, UCLA lost to Fresno? Yeah, it was Fresno State. USC, uh, didn't they just get pounded this week, too, by yeah. Oregon State? And I almost bet against I almost bet against USC because I I thought they uh, you know fixed everything, and I might just bet against USC the rest of the season, too. Uh, because what's going on is these lines are ridiculous. Like they keep taking these, the name schools and giving them like eight points or like Florida state was like getting eight and a half points against Wake Forest. I was like, what? They should not be getting points against anyone. <laughs> they should right not get anybody, any points. And now it's flipped. But like, uh, I'm considering gamble betting on Rutgers against Ohio state. Cause I think it's 14 and a half points or. 13 and a half points. But, like, it's just fascinating to me uh, how strange of a season it's been. I also don't – you know, we talked about this last time that, that everybody's like, oh, I don't like the fact that the same four teams are really good. I'm starting to think this. You know what? When they're not very good, it's really, really rough because it's like it's like 17, 14 games where you're like, this is a horrible game. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's they're, true. They're, they're holding on basically by, like, the fact that they just need one more first down, and I'm like, I'm. I guess I almost prefer if they're scoring like 42 points and they're losing, like they win by 10, but it's like 35 to like 36 or, or 25, 30. I'm just like, God, like that Clemson game was brutal to watch. The Oklahoma game was brutal to watch. I was like, I cannot believe this primetime game. Uh, I, that Michigan Rutgers game was entertaining to watch until like. Michigan completely forgot how to play offense. Well, both <laughs> both teams didn't want to win that game. That was my whole thing. <laughs> oh God, I I um, yeah that oh yeah the Michigan State Nebraska game. I was like almost about to cry because I picked. I had a I had a parlay bet of NC State to cover. Uh, it was, I had two major upsets and then Michigan state had to just win out. <laughs> Michigan state almost lost. And I was like, like crying. Oh, Rutgers. I bet on Rutgers to cover. And then, uh, and I was like, our friend Phil was texting me. And I was like, if we don't win, I'm going to lose my mind. Cause I could have just bet a hundred dollars on both these games separately. And I would have won a ton of money, but instead I put in a parlay. Um, yeah, it's been really, really rough. And I find it fascinating. Like, I find it fascinating that now that the favorites aren't very good, I'm like, these games are terrible. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the big games this week was Cincinnati plays Notre Dame. I have no, I, I can't evaluate that game. It's 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 almost it's almost an, like a pick 'em. It's not even like there's no favorite. Like it's a one and a half or a half point spread in that game. I'm I'm, I'm shocked. Um, whoever wins that game has decent shot iowa looks pretty good but it's iowa they can't i don't know i, I yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it really looks like two sec teams are gonna make it because the sec is the only league where i'm like wow this team looks really good but wow this, this is, team looks really good this is the thing like <laughs> i know a&m's quarterback went down but then they got pounded by arkansas it's like uh... no, no i i think arkansas is for real uh but i don't think they're gonna 
I think Georgia, Alabama. I I I like Florida, but I don't think they're gonna beat Georgia. I think I think Georgia and Alabama should make the playoffs. I don't think any ACC team should make it. I don't think any Pac-12 team should make it. I don't think any Big Ten team's gonna make it because <laughs> I think Ohio State's gonna have at least one loss. And I don't know. I have no idea. The Michigan Ohio State game this year might be. It's gonna be like a, you know, Ohio State by four and a half. But I can't. It should probably be two because I don't think Ohio State's very good. Um, I don't know. I, I'm just excited because we might have be have a shot to beat Michigan, and we might have a shot to beat Ohio. You know, to be good this season. But it could be also a season where we lose to Northwestern, and I lose my mind. <laughs> It's oh, that it's it's that type of year. Yeah, it's it's where I where we look. I'm we're go, Gene and I are going to the Rutgers Michigan State game in two weeks, and uh, no next week. And, next uh, weekend, yeah. And I might cry if we lose, but I actually am worried about the game for the first time in my life because. <laughs> well, last year you got you lost at home. Yeah, I don't and that's a better and squad. I, and I told I, – I sent a message to our buddy Phil, and I said, we should just fire every single coach. All the players should be caught because we lost to Rutgers. <laughs> well, a few years ago, that would have been the case, but um, – Not anymore. Not yeah, anymore. No. Shiano's got them on the road to respectability. But I was more annoyed that we lost to Rutgers in football and basketball in the same season. And it was just like well, – that, it was improbable. That's, that's apocalyptic there. If you, if you, had, if you had said – like, hey, you'll give me a million dollars, a billion dollars. I just wouldn't have. I like, no, it's never gonna happen. Never gonna happen. It happened. I was, I, you know, it, it, the tide turned somehow. But I blame it on COVID. Um, <laughs> it's but, a valid excuse for everyone at this point, right? <laughs> no, I just. If I told you, hey, uh, Rutgers is gonna beat Michigan State in football and basketball in the same calendar year. You would have said, uh, is it 2050, 2032? <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't have predicted it was in 2020. No. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. I no. don't know. It's been, a, it's been an interesting college football season. I, I, I found it to be – once we're, we're in the conference play now, um, I don't know. I – it's been duller, but it's been fun to watch because I'm betting a little more games. But no, it's, NFL it's season has completely been interesting been... because it's just – I don't know what to expect. Yeah, it's like it's very, very strange because if you're a gambler, like the lines – you look at the lines and you kind of take a double take. You're like, what? That line is too crazy. Like, I, how, no, no team should be favored by that much anymore. No. Like Ohio State's favored by 15 points. I'm going to bet I'm gonna bet on Rutgers. 15 points? Not this season. Uh, uh, I, BC, I I hope Rutgers keeps it competitive. They tend BC to not Clemson. do well. No, BC Clemson. It's 15 points. Their favorite Clemson's favorite like 15 points against uh, Boston College, and I think their quarterback has some NFL potential. Yeah, uh, I think Jer- so. Jerkovic or somewhere. Like yeah, that. because He's they a- had someone who who was NFL potential, and I think he transferred to Oregon because of this guy. So yeah, yeah. So he's. They're not, you know, they're not 15 points better this season. Not, uh, no, no. You read, remember the, the the time that FSU was playing like some school and they were like a 70 something point favorite. Those days are long gone. Yes, 
And by the way, what was the game? Bowling Green was a 32, 32 point underdog, and they won the game. I know. Won the game. This is well, crazy. I, I I will tell you, like, just to further echo it, and this is a completely different sport, so um, just just bear with me because uh, this week we had the Champions League, and yesterday. Almighty Real Madrid, who's a 13-time champion, lost at home to a team from Moldova. So, so just ask, just ask like the average Joe on the street where Moldova is, and I'm telling you, probably I don't even know. like I don't even know. 85% wouldn't know. Right, and then Bar- mighty Barcelona also lost today, three nothing. I don't even know who they played. So it's just, I, I guess you're right. It's COVID because it's affecting every sport. Because this doesn't make any sense. Mm, that's not true, though, because UVA lost to UMBC. And you almost bet on that game. And... I should have bet on that game. I didn't because of my wife. When in doubt and your wife says don't do it, especially with gambling, just put a little bit down, like $25. Well, <laughs> yeah, I bet her against – that's the thing. Like we bet. Then she made me bet the, when they won the national title $10 on a futures bet. And then we weren't in Vegas to collect, and I'm like, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want the money from that bet. Ah, <laughs> oh, you could have won tons of money. You could have won tons of money. No, well, instead the, I'm. I... Yeah, if I could, you imagine what? I don't even know what the line was for UMBC to outright win. Because I was gonna take. I was gonna take UMBC with the points. I was looking at Western Michigan versus somebody, and they were not favorites. My dad was a professor at Western Michigan, and they won the game. And I was actually considering betting. And I just was like, I haven't bet on college football regularly. And I'm trying to learn kind of the the epic weird swings. And I'm, like, trying to figure out, like, a pattern, some of this stuff. And I was just like, I, I was really considering betting on Notre Dame last week. But I was like, I hate Notre Dame. I'm not betting on them. And I'm like, God, I'm so dumb. I was like, Notre Dame is – Wisconsin just does not look very good this season. Um yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I think Michigan is complete fool's gold, and I think that uh, it'll be interesting once they get – I don't know. We've talked about this, and, and Harbaugh was a guy I wanted to coach the Jets at some point. I'm like, how does he still have a job? <laughs> you, you, by the way, by the way, how, is, how did Harbaugh become everybody's favorite for every job? And now he's like – they're like, he probably just hopes that he stays at Michigan now. <laughs> I don't. Oh my God! Remarkable, right? I, Absolutely remarkable. I remember when Michigan got the deal with Jordan Brand, and they were the first collegiate team to have Jordan Brand. Now it's like Florida's got him, Oklahoma's got him, UCLA's George, got Georgetown's him. got it now. Georgetown's got it. But football, you University of Michigan was the first team to have uh, Jordan Brand outfitted, up, you know, top to bottom. I was like, we're screwed. And somebody was like, what do you mean we're screwed? And I was talking to a couple Michigan State buddies, and I said, they're going to get all the recruits. They're going to get Jordan at the game. He was Jordan was at a game with Derek Jeter, and I was like, we're screwed. We are absolutely screwed. That guy, Harbaugh, knows how to coach. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> he hasn't beat <laughs> Ohio State once. Uh, it hasn't affected recruiting because Oklahoma's got Jordan Brand now. Florida's got Jordan Brand. UCLA's got Jordan Brand for football, uh, bat football. Um Boy, was I wrong. And we have beaten Michigan 
I think he's 500 against us. Uh, which yeah, is fascinating. That, that's usually not good enough, but at this point, they just just beat Ohio State. Save your well, the job. other problem is, is that they're, they're, the other big problem is I don't know who they go to at this point. There's not a guy. I mean, they might go after Campbell. They might go after uh, Luke Fickle. Um, I think it'd be ironic if they get Luke Fickle, who is a diehard Ohio State guy, and now he's coaching at the rival. But um, I don't know. I, I, I think he's – I thought he was coaching for his job last season. And he had a horrible season. And, and he survived. Him, <laughs> he survived. Um, I do think we're at that point where if he doesn't beat Ohio State, what's fascinating is Trestle never lost to Michigan, and he got fired for tattoos and jerseys. And now we've got the new name and likeness thing, and he just never would have been fired in this era. And then no. they go to Urban. And he never loses. Urban never loses Michigan. And now we're in Ryan Day, and Day is the most of Michigan. So I, I find it fascinating. In that period of time, they've had Richrod. Hope, yeah, that was a two two complete failures. And Harbaugh. Yeah. And Lloyd got fired because he was struggling to beat Ohio State all of a sudden. <laughs> right. Well, remember know. John Cooper got fired from Ohio State because he couldn't beat Michigan. Right. If I remember um, correctly. Correct, and Cooper had like a ridiculous winning percentage. You could just never beat Michigan. Michigan, yeah, yes, which is interesting because it's flipped completely. The, the John Cooper, they could just name every. It should be the head coach. The John Cooper of Michigan is. <laughs> 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 that should be the title because they've just flipped. They, they whoever doesn't beat the other rival, it's just interesting. I mean, I don't know. I, the fascinating thing is, like, I, I brought this up to somebody was the reason we were doing well for a period of time was Ohio State had all that trestle issues, and Michigan was very down, right? And since Michigan and Ohio State come back, look, what happened to us? We've fallen, we fallen our faces for a while. USC falls. UCLA falls. Oregon, Chip Kelly leaves. Or Chip Kelly just dominates, and then Chip Kelly leaves. Oregon falls and Stanford just slides in for a while and just has a like eight year run with luck and they had uh, another guy. It's just interesting how fan bases go all nuts and like, oh, it's our year. And I'm like, no, the reality is. No, no, I know. It is what it is. (sighs) Yeah. We'll see. It's it's interesting how this will all play out. It's been That's, an interesting beginning of both NFL and college football. It, it It's the beauty of sports right there. And if you're a gambler, it's been an excellent gambling situation if you like underdogs. Because <laughs> the underdogs <laughs> are doing very well. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I think I'm going to get involved with MLB next week, depending on how everything goes. Oh, I don't. I can't gamble on baseball. It's the one sport I can't figure out because I don't understand how they make lines ever. <laughs> yeah, but I just I don't know. Our our friend Evans got he did a futures bet on the Yankees, a hundred dollars to win it all, or at the beginning of the season, and it's been an up and down bet, and it's looking okay again right now, even though they lost tonight. But can I tell you, I know a guy that used to go to Vegas during spring training, and he would bet. $50 on the Tigers to win the World Series for like four straight years. The, the season they won, they went to the World Series, but they lost. I asked him, why did you just bet them to win the AL pennant? Because the odds on that was ridiculous, too. 
<laughs> and you would have gotten such a return. Why bet on them to win the World Series? Just bet on them to get win the pennant because that in itself is an achievement. You got to go full blown. You can't. You can't just partially do. You gotta. You gotta go for the jugular. Well, I, unless I, unless you're a Jet fan like me, where it's like I just want to see them in the Super Bowl before I die. Not even. I mean, it's gonna suck if they don't win it. But can you just at least get there so I can experience that happiness? Uh, be careful when you when you say that. Why? Very careful. When what you say franchise that. are you going to go with that had that? You can say the L- you can bring up the Atlanta Falcons, <laughs> uh, where, where the owner where the owner comes down and he thinks the game's over, <laughs> and you lose the game. Well, when you're winning twenty eight to three, you should put them away. No, I agree. I just think that the Atlanta Falcons—they're dead to, to this, me. They're dead to, to me. To this to this day, I question whether or not. The reason they've struggled since then has been the fact that they cursed themselves by not just running the ball the whole third quarter and the fourth quarter. But the but the one thing they had they had like an opportunity and they went for didn't they go for it on a fourth down? All they had to do was kick a field goal and they would have won the game. And they had a holding penalty. It's just like come on. Can I tell you this season has been the weirdest about penalties? I've seen the weirdest worst time penalties I've ever seen in my whole life. By the way, the taunting rule. Can we do something about that? Yeah, I don't understand why they. There are certain type of taunting where I'm like, yeah, that's annoying. Where the guy like is over the person and he like points at them. <laughs> I think that is a taunting. But the one where like he's just kind of staring at the guy and dancing at him, you just don't know what their relationship is. Maybe they're friends, and I, I don't know. I, I don't care about that call. It's just like uh, targeting in college football. I oh, find it like. Yeah. I I've always said that there are certain type of hits where you should throw the guy out, or you, it should be a technical foul situation. Like it should be at the discretion of the referees. Like Brandon Merriweather, I was like, every time he hit somebody, he should be thrown out because he's like he was headhunter. He was total headhunter. Um, uh, Vontez perfect. Perfect was a headhunter. Uh, to this day, there's a theory that the reason Antonio Brown's gone crazy was because, because he had of perfect. Mass- yeah, he had two massive concussions, and he's. Ever since he's been weird, um, maybe that explains Kyrie Irving. Maybe he had a couple. He ran into Vontez Perfect. Is that what we're <laughs> yes. going with? Yeah, but maybe he had two really bad concussions from Vontez Perfect. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I find that rule and the taunting rule to be odd. Um, yeah, those yeah. are. It's going back to being the no fun league again. Can I say uh, the Peyton Eli thing? I'm enjoying it only when the game is close. It's unwatchable because they don't talk about the game. <laughs> oh, they're goofing off. They're goofing <laughs> off. But... When the game is completely boring, like like the, the, the Cowboys-Eagles uh, game, you can be, like, reading something and it have in the background, and you just listen and you start giggling. <laughs> but when the game is, like, still, like, close, they start going on tangents about, like, Eli – or no, it was like, Peyton, your head's really big, and, like, look at that helmet on that guy. It, it wouldn't fit your head. and It's like, okay, guys. And then every so often I had to flip to the main because I'm like, okay, I need a little bit of commentary. Then. And then yeah, Peyton the, will try to be like, bring the, it back. And then I'm like, it's too forced. It's too forced right now, Peyton. It's too forced. But the main, it's just, uh, for me, it's just it's unwatchable now with these two guys. I feel like I'm at I a like, bar with them. I like Louis Riddick. I'm not the biggest fan of Greasy. I think he's better on college. Um, Steve Levy was he was doing hockey <laughs> for so long in my mind that I just can't handle. He was doing 
he went from hockey to then college football. He should be back doing hockey soon. Hockey, they... yeah. And what's weird is that like Levy and Greasy were doing good on ESPN. Let's figure out they, they got to stop. You know, their problem was they they pay way too much for NFL, and they're like a sinking ship, and they keep just firing their employees and then using everybody multiple multiple places. <laughs> You know, I, I, I was actually saying this to one of my coworkers today. I, I would take Gruden back on the games, even though he loved everyone. Uh, it still was a but, little more watchable for me with him doing it. You know it. what? I I would rather have Jeff Van Gundy doing the NFL games. You know why? Because he's going to complain about flopping? He'll come. I like Van Gundy because he always – he has an actual point of view that's just like, that's a horrible call. Or – I don't get what's going on. I like yeah, Eli. Yeah, but the, isn't that what e, that's what Eli does? That's what I love Eli. But the problem is, what happens is, like you get in these tangents where like like Saban gets on and they start talking stories, and you're like, dude, they, they don't even care what's going on on their fields. And then Peyton goes, guys, it's third and third or third and fifteen. This is what I do, and I'm like, Peyton, now you're forcing you. This is too forced. It's so forced right now. Yeah, but then Eli will be like, shut up, Peyton. <laughs> no, I love that context, but it's like you could do that on a podcast and be hilarious too. They could just be watching a movie, just making fun of one another. Yeah, but uh, you should have seen I... like the reaction. I'm looking online, and people are like, "Wait, the Manning brothers aren't going to be back until week seven? What are we going to do?" By the way, that's a crazy. You know that they uh, they only signed for twelve games, and I thought it was Peyton... ten. I thought it was twelve, but it might be ten. Uh, Peyton, in Peyton's like actual contract. He had it put in. I refuse to do any Buccaneers game because I will not do a Brady game. Really? Which I don't know why. Well, it's it's no funny because he shouldn't really get a lot of Buccaneer games because Monday Night Football isn't the prime, you know, market Sunday anymore. Night, Sunday, yeah, yeah, Sunday exactly. It's Sunday night, so if if anything, it might be one Tampa game because oh, you'd rather have them on Sundays than Monday. Correct. By the way, that Rams uh, Buccaneers game. Excellent to watch. Uh, I do think that there's very few teams that can disrupt the Buccaneers, but anybody that has interior, uh, Aaron Dial, interior guys, a J.J. Watt style, he's going to have issues with that, but there's not many teams that can that have that. So, and, and my stupid behind, because I'm loyal, watched a good chunk of Denver Jets because it's my <laughs> team. Which was, it was really like the – Broncos just methodically driving down the field and scoring. Well, and just you, trying to eat eat the clock as much as so. Like, there's a couple the a couple things for this, and this tells you the sad state of affairs for me. I picked the Denver in my suicide league this week, and in fantasy, I had the Broncos. <laughs> I had the Broncos defense. By the way, the Broncos defense I have been very very good early in the season. Very very good on points. Uh, I also had Justin Tucker in my other league, and he gave me, like, 18 points. I, they should have a different – like, if you get a 60-yard field goal, you should get, like, 100 points. <laughs> unless, like, you're kicking like, in, unless you're kicking in Denver. Yes, but if you're kicking a 60 – like, there should be, like – it's, like, 55 and higher. That's, like, the scoring. If you get anything over, like, 62 yards, like, and you make it, it should be worth like 15 points, in my opinion. Now, if you kick a, like, you know, what the Jaguar, or who who, who kicked that 69-yarder and they got scored on? <laughs> was it the Jaguars? The Jaguars scored. It was Arizona, right? Arizona. Was, By yeah, the way, Prater tried that kick. 
Cliff Kingsbury might be low key. You know, Nagy's really really bad coach. Cliff Kingsbury might be considered like a good coach. I think he might be the worst coach on a great team because <laughs> he just does some weird things. <laughs> Kicking that, it just has. Have we not figured that out? Like a long field goal that like the guy's not, and it was outdoors, not in a dome, outdoors, not in Denver. <laughs> Well, oh, he, I don't. He probably didn't think that the guy could bring it back. He, he didn't think it was like, you know, I'm kicking it to Devin Hester here. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't just know. Wouldn't do it. Cause it's, 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 I, it's, it's, I, I would throw the hail mary, but that's me. That's what I would do. Can we talk one a final topic? Yes. It's a book that I want to read now because I'm fascinated by the stories that uh, they leaked out. This book about the Patriots dynasty and oh. I know it's a sore topic with you, but did you? There's been this whole topic that Belichick, Brady set up a meeting with Belichick to have a one-on-one to say I'm leaving, I want to thank you, and Belichick refused and just gave him a phone call and said thank you. <laughs> Is Belichick not the most socially awkward human being ever? <laughs> yeah, he's he's up there. He um, is up there. And supposedly Kraft thinks that you know, pardon my French, but he's a fucking asshole. <laughs> he yes. called his coach a fucking asshole. Um, somewhere. Well, there, there, like, there goes the family-friendly podcast, there, sir. <laughs> yes, I, I was, I was just trying to. It's a quote words that you know I could have bleeped it out, but, but um, I find this book to be fascinating because it sounds like it's the no hold, like, no hold bar on how much dysfunction really was there, and yet they still won. <laughs> I'm just, I love those stories. I, I hate the fact that they still won, but. It's uh Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't call it like the uh 77 Yankees the Bronx Zoo, but yeah, it seems like there were some issues there. Yeah. Oh, I by the way, it's... did you catch how Peyton Manning was uh subtly implying that the the uh Patriots were stealing stealing plays and information in their locker room? And he's like, "Yeah, I know they 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 tapped my locker, so we would talk about stuff in the shower." By did the way, did you catch uh, that? Yeah, I saw that. Uh, that was a big story. That was actually not that, but Spygate was brought up in some of the leaks. And uh, you know that the league wanted to punish him hard, and they needed a, the one coach that came to Belichick's defense was Mike Shanahan. And Mike Shanahan said, look, uh, he's just smarter than all of us because we all would have done this, <laughs> but we did. We would have got caught. <laughs> and I was like, wait. That's and not how it's supposed to work. By the way, supposedly – uh, Mangini, you'll love this because it brings up the jet. Mangini and Belichick were at a wedding. I forget who the wedding was for. Uh, and Mangini's wife went up to Belichick to say hello. And this was after Spygate and the whole jet saying they're going to try taping us and they got caught and everything. Uh, Belichick gave Mangini his wife, the cold shoulder, and Mancini hunted him down in the middle of this. It might have been the some event. He hunted him down and he tried to fight him. Oh, that would have been hilarious. He tried to fight him and he called him, you know, he said F you and they tried to fight him. And um, I, that's the thing I wonder is I actually wonder if Belichick is socially awkward, but he's like all talk and you could really just take him and beat him up. Probably. That said, where is Mangini? Like, I don't know. He's he's fallen off the face of the earth. 
He he got exiled to the Browns, right? And that was no, didn't he? Wasn't he a coordinator for the 49ers for a stretch after that too? He was, he's defense like coordinator that. for. Was it Harbaugh or was it before Harbaugh? But I don't remember. I, don't I just remember. it's it's odd how he's the one guy that was the youngest. Like Romeo Cornell is still in the league. Charlie Weiss is just eating somewhere, and he's on podcast because he flamed out at University of Kansas. Uh, yeah, who told him to take that job? Al Groh, is he still alive? Yes, he was doing games on uh, ABC or ESPN. I call, I found him a couple years ago. It's just odd that he's the one that's not coaching, but he was, like, super young. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he's, we like, doing some that. high school football or something. No, I always thought he was a pretty good coach, but after reading that story about how he tried to beat up Belichick, I was like, you know what? He should get another shot. Because <laughs> he tried to beat up Wait, Belichick. I'm going to, before we go, figure out where this guy is. He, I think he's a commentator. I actually think he's a commentator for something. Or like a special, he might be like a special um, consultant or something like that. Well, Manjita got fired by Chip Kelly. That was his last job. And then yeah. Oh, yeah. he became he was, an analyst he was, uh, for Chip- FS1. I don't know if he's still doing yeah. that. Wait a that's... second. With the 49ers, he was an offensive consultant and tight ends coach when he got there? That doesn't even make sense. Okay. <laughs> I just want to... I don't know. I... Yeah, at eight, 2008 league meetings, Belichick and then head coach Eric Mangini nearly got, had a fist fight. After dinner, head, co- head coaches Julie Mangini, wife of Eric, bumped into Belichick to say hi, trying to ease the tension after the post bygate fall. Belichick blew her off, and when she told Eric what had happened, he charged across the room <laughs> and needed to be held back. That doesn't even Swinging at that, Belichick. No. Hey, Bill, F you. Oh, my god. That was updated today. That was updated today. That was Jeez. the article I wrote. But that's on his uh, Wikipedia page now. <laughs> That was updated today. <laughs> oh my goodness! Like, uh... see now you want you want, now you want him back in the league because you're like, yeah, that's awesome. That was yeah, my but coach. not on my team. <laughs> no, not on my team. By the way, he actually had a pretty good run there. Yeah, but if you watch the Favre year and how they collapsed, actually, the problem, you know, but the Favre year, he had his bicep was torn. I know, but there was still some idiotic coaching moves that he did. Yeah. Uh, we should end on Favre because Favre's a whole other funny topic. We should get on Aaron Rodgers at some point on the next topic because I have a real weird question. He's playing really well. Does he end up staying with the Packers? <laughs> I, I don't know. That 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 is an interesting one. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll close on that. That'll be for the next. Yeah, next well, time. that'll be a teaser. We still have to do the basketball thing when we're all back together. By the way, I decided the centers. I'm not going to do the centers because uh, after researching a little bit, uh, Patrick Ewing doesn't actually stack up to the other three guys at all. Ewing has a struggle when it comes to just statistics and awards. He just doesn't have the awards that Dave Robinson, Hakeem, and Shaq had. We'll leave it at that. Now, the point guards I have, the four, the four point guards I have, it's great. It's uh, Gary Payton, Jason Kidd, Stockton, and Steve Nash. We're going to have a real lively discussion on that. We'll give them points for different things, and then we'll have a debate. Because I think 
it'll be interesting to see. And they all have linkages to one another. Like Stockton, Peyton says Stockton was the hardest guy to guard. Peyton mentored Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd mentored Steve Nash. There you go. Yes. All right, sir. Well, I think that's enough for one night. Yes, sir. All right, so thank you all for listening, and we'll be back with another episode in the near future.